You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello everyone and welcome back to Rival Recon here on Anfield Index Pro. I'm Harry Sethi. The Reds made it three wins on the bounce with their comeback against West Ham and London on Wednesday evening, with Klopp hoping his side can finish the season strong and target what's still an improbable top-four finish. This weekend, Liverpool turned their attention to Sunday's game against a beleaguered-looking Tottenham side. And to help us comprehend the disarray at Spurs and just how things have gotten to such a messy stage, we welcome back football writer for The Athletic and head of TIFO Football, Seb stafford Blue. Welcome back, Seb. Thanks for having me back, Harry. Yeah, of course. Uh, I was thinking before this pod how to start it. And I, I know we've had uh, a few conversations in the past where uh, clubs have been in different situations. And uh, I think certainly when we were talking about um, Tottenham, we were sort of speaking about the different issues um, on and off the pitch. And it is it is hard to know where to begin a little bit uh, this, this season. So... I wanted to. Hmm, I wanted to ask you uh, at this stage, as we're speaking, I think about sort of forty minutes ahead of um, uh, Tottenham versus Manchester United at home, with what six games left of the season? Um, yeah. Just, uh, I, I imagine that there are many overarching thoughts to 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 share with me. But what are your current thoughts on on the season and how it's unfolded? Uh, well, um, and where would many, you begin? Yeah. Well, yeah, I suppose it's been one of the dullest seasons footballing wise. I can imagine the football has been dreadful almost from start to finish. Even the good results have been kind of hard to watch. And I think when I look back on this season, I think what I will remember is that it became painfully obvious around the time of the World Cup or you know, immediately after the restart that a change was necessary and yet the club waited months to do anything about what was obviously uh, an untenable situation and the result of that is the situation that the club finds itself in today footballing wise which is they are um, the season is kind of over Champions League is um, a completely unrealistic game they are, um, you mentioned we're speaking just before the Man United result, so maybe things are about to get worse, I don't know, but um, they are embarrassing themselves to greater depths with each passing week. 
Um, I think all in all, it's actually been pretty shameful as a season. Um, I'm aware of the argument about, and you know, when when people when people of any club complain, fans of any 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 side complain, the stock answer they always get is, well, it can always be worse. And I was like, well, yeah, but it can always be worse wherever you are, right? Um, you have your expectations. <clears throat> Support your expectation is always a relative situation. And Tottenham, Tottenham have really bottomed out as, a, as an organization this year, I think, uh, on the pitch, off it. I think it's absolute chaos. The club is a circus. Uh, it really is. And um, a lot of people are very angry, and rightly so, I think. Uh, I'm not sure if that answered the question, mm. but that is, yeah, no, I think it's it's how do you feel? <laughs> yeah, it's a nice good. Yeah, yeah, I'm just asking you to re, to recline on the on the leather couch that I've got here in the in, in, yeah. in the therapist <laughs> exactly. Uh, and of course, it's been a season not only obviously with all the on the on the pitch off the pitch issues uh, around the the club's coaching staff and the. Sure. Ownership, but also with some you know, personal tragedy thrown in there as well, with Ventrone mm-hmm. passing away um, yeah. uh, in, in the middle of the season as well. Clearly, somebody who was um, like dearly liked um, by the, the players, the coaching staff. Of course, those who had a, a longer term relationship with him as well. So there's there's that to be thrown into it. I, I I think one thread I want to pick up on is remember we spoke when Mourinho was. Uh, the manager and yes. it got to a stage where you said that yeah, this, this guy clearly doesn't want to be here. And, yeah. um, it's, it's an uncomfortable situation because everybody knows that. And yet we're still having to go through the motions, uh, before he eventually does depart the club. And, um, I, I suppose what I want to ask you is why you, you, you think it got to that stage with Conte, uh, the way in which it did this season. Cause I do remember when we spoke at the start of the season, it was one of the more optimistic pods we'd had actually for a while in terms of sort of thinking that maybe this could be a season where um, Conte would embrace the challenge, uh, embrace sort of the squad that he had, and um, there, there could be the opportunity for some growth there. Sure. Um, why did that not transpire the way in which you'd, you'd, you'd hoped? Well, I think what we expected at the time was that the summer was quite optimistic because I wouldn't say the transfer activity was aggressive, but it was better than people were expecting. Richarlison was a, a big signing, and although the club only only really spent just over 100 million, in you know in comparison to Tottenham summers past, that was quite a big deal. And so I think the expectation, certainly what I thought would end up happening, is that uh, the demonstration of ambition uh, paired with a pretty good start in the Premier League and um, you know an okay Champions League season would have convinced Conte to extend his contract. He didn't. And I think everybody's seen the stories that have leaked out and um, the reports from Italy about how seemingly he decided in kind of October, November that he wasn't going to be extending. And you've mentioned some of the personal personal difficulties he's experienced. I think what ended up happening, and um, forgive me, this is a complete guess, but it's based on what I've seen, is that Conte is a very intense person. He's a very demanding head coach, comes with a lot of rhetoric, He's quite abrasive. Uh, at some point, I think a lot of the first team just accepted that he wasn't going to be there at the end of the season. Now, when that happens with a aggressive coach, yeah. an aggressive coaching style, players, you can't trust players not to just down tools ultimately and think, well, whatever, you know, because um, it's a, I, I don't know why that is. I'd be interested to read a study into it, but I think it's kind of commonality throughout um, the footballing generations. As soon as players spot a weak manager or a manager who is in a weak contractual situation or, uh, you know, potentially at risk of getting fired, I think their attitude deteriorates really rapidly. And I think some of the Tottenham players, uh, clearly that's been the case. I mean, there, there are a few instances of, um, certainly before the World Cup. Um, the one I always think of is Christian Romero, who, who made it very, very obvious what his priority was. Towards the end of the season, it's actually been pretty dismal ever since he came back. Um, but I think it all goes back to what happens when you give Conte an 18 month contract and he doesn't extend it and everyone and all the noises out of the club are, let's wait till the end of the season and let's have mm-hmm. a talk, which is, as you know, is completely unrealistic. It's a hopeless situation to be in. And yeah. the only people who didn't realize that seem to be, uh, members of the Tottenham board. Mm. Um, added to which, of course, uh, I think 
quite a few of the players. And I think this is probably quite, pretty pertinent with the Newcastle result in mind. I think there's been so much chaos at the club this season and so much dysfunction. Um, the Fabio Paratici situation was laughable. Uh, and I think when you have that kind of melodrama, it becomes, again, really easy for football players to hide and to accept that it's really easy to explain away performance with conditions above and around them. And I very difficult to prove any of that, but that's how it's felt. Like a just complete abdication of responsibility. What I saw on Sunday was, um, if you factor in, I'm talking about the Newcastle game, of course, but if you factor in what this Tottenham team cost to assemble, uh, what its natural talents are and what its potential is. I think pound for pound, I would group that among the very worst Premier League performances I've ever seen. Mm. Um, it was, I don't use this, uh, word lightly. It was an absolute disgrace. It was, it was laughable. Um, yeah. and, um, acutely embarrassing, actually. And, um, it's the player's responsibility, but also because of the, the situations which have bred that, um, lack of application the responsibility of that goes all the way to the top of the club. Um, mm. So it just feels a very rotten scenario at the moment, I think, um, and very hopeless, actually. Yeah, there's, when you're talking about the the, the players uh, sensing weakness in the manager or yeah. something like that, I mean, I, I, I suppose if I was playing devil's advocate for a second as well, I think, well, actually, if, if, if my boss, if I'm a football player, my boss is there and he's showing a lack of commitment and I don't think mm-hmm. he's going to be there and he doesn't really believe in this vision and he's he's wanting out, um, I'm sure as a professional, I'd want to be a professional and all that, but I, but I can imagine the, yeah, the, the, um, the emotions involved there as well around, well, okay, I'm, I'm going to show a lack of commitment. I mean, what, why should I put the, Put that effort in, and and, and it's it's an interesting comparison. Just just before you come in, because because I was thinking about um, obviously that's not the attitude that you want whatsoever, and you want to cultivate a better um, group mentality that they'll of course they'll be able to withstand that. But I've been thinking about some of the issues that Liverpool have gone through this season, and like nowhere near as many, of course. But in, in terms of the points of the season where it looked as though quite strongly that the coaching staff didn't weren't really aware of how to turn things around with the players they had at their disposal in a way that would, you know, I suppose, get Liverpool back to the level at which they were at. But I didn't really feel for any stage of the season, I felt that at certain points there was a lack of belief or a resignation of, oh, this, this, this just isn't going to get fully better until yeah. we do some business in the market or something like that. But I never felt as though they were, those players were completely, or certainly that they, that they hadn't uh, resigned themselves to the fact that, you know, Klopp was finished or any of that stuff that you'd, you'd, you'd hear online. I suppose partly that's because you, he's there for a couple more years, yeah. uh, very unlikely to be sacked, uh, has all the power, has all the credit in the bank as well. It's a very different situation. Yeah. But, uh, in, in, in terms of, um, the, the players and the responsibility they held, obviously, it's sort of a strange situation that if Conte had made that decision uh, around leaving the club, to then come out with the comments in which he did after the uh, the game like the Southampton game, a lot of which were, and I'm sure Spurs fans, some, some of them felt justified, but also it, it it did feel a little bit a little bit hypocritical to be questioning the commitment of some of those players whilst he also had had created part of that atmosphere. If that makes sense. Hundred percent, hundred percent. I, you know, I don't think it's a, a binary situation. I think there was plenty of truth to what he said, and he described frustrations that a lot of fans share. At the same time, you are responsible for coaching the team. You are responsible for setting an example. Mm. Neither of which have been done to anything like a, a respectable standard this season. I think if you look at the football played with the resources that he had, yes, the defense was relatively weak, and um, you know. Uh, the midfield could be better. But you think about some of the resources that have been available to change these things. So, um, injured now, but Eve Basuma, Oli Skip, um, mm, yeah. you know, uh, Rodrigo Bettencourt before he got injured, uh, Pierre Emil Hoiberg. Now these are, you can make something out of that group. Uh, you can make a two out of that group that works. Mm. Think about the, the forward line he has, Son, Kane, Kulisevsky, more as a backup with Charleston there. Okay. So there have been injuries. That's quite a decent choice for a side aiming towards top six, top four. Fine. Um, as your, you, you, you have, um, you know, two wing backs in, uh, both positions. Um, and 
three after Pedro Porro came in, although Matt Doherty was then released. My point being, Harry, is that at some stage you have to take responsibility mm. for what the team looks like. And I think your your point within with Liverpool is really interesting because I've watched a lot of Liverpool and to me they look like a product of two things. Firstly, they've won it all, right? And mm. the most important members of that side are highly decorated trophy winners now who have perhaps not tuned Klopp out but got a little bit sort of I'm okay giving 90% of myself now yeah. because <clears throat> I've won a European Cup, I've won the Premier League. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. I'm, you know, so someone like uh, Virgil van Dijk, who I feel, I, I, know, I know he's dropped off, but I feel like some of the criticism uh, around him has been a little bit alarmist at times and a little <laughs> bit kind of joyous. Yeah. Um, but I think someone like that can play as badly, badly as he wants for a couple of years, and it shouldn't really matter to how he's remembered amongst your fan base. And I completely agree with that. He's done amazing things for Liverpool, and he's been a wonderful player for a very long time. But Spurs... So the second point in Liverpool is also you've got some younger players who um, some of them are good enough, uh, some of them maybe not, some of them need work. So you've got this kind of like generation gap between the, the two halves of the team. Maybe I, I don't know if that's fair, but that, yeah, that's yeah. how it's felt. And sort of that's developed, that's created a lack of confidence and perhaps a little bit of a, um, I would say a little bit of a, they don't look quite as, um, they don't seem to to understand what they should be doing quite as well as they used to. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah, that's that's where I'd completely agree. I think I, I think there was this season is one I think is symbolised by sort of muddled thinking from the coaching mm-hmm. staff as to mm-hmm. what they wanted to turn Liverpool into. Perhaps they did suddenly then realise that certain players had dropped off a bit more than they'd expected uh, and couldn't do what they wanted them to do. Uh, yeah. But I, I don't think it's a surprise that in recent weeks Liverpool have looked uh, a little bit more. Um, uh, more like themselves, uh, yes. not only the attacking side of things, but um, just the intensity uh, because they are being challenged to do something new. There's a, a, there's a new tactical sort of shape, a little bit that's been thrown at them. There's a couple of new players in there. Also players have come back, of course, and it always makes things yeah. look better. But I, I, I do feel as though the message has changed and a couple of those players who you mentioned there who have won a lot of, of things uh, and perhaps have gone a little bit tired of the same message over many years, have suddenly gone, okay, well, yeah, this is a new challenge. This is something you're new you're asking of me. Let me see if I can do this. Uh, and I feel like part of that is that the, 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 the new message seems to have revitalized them a little bit. But sorry, you you, you were going to go on to sort of what the um, the other difference well, is. Well, I suppose the, the contrast between the two is that those Liverpool fans those Liverpool players have a far better excuse because you've won it all, right? You, and some of yeah. those players, um, goodness me, they carry themselves with an attitude and ego sometimes. And it's someone like Christian Romero is a good example. You, you kind of down tools ahead of the World Cup, so you're fit for the World Cup. And I suppose that's quite human. Mm. Um, but he's developed this sort of, uh, reckless swagger in his game where, um, he just the, the the kind of the the sole components of his game are kind of making faces and making crap tackles, and sort of um, flirting with red cards in a way which makes him popular with our fans. I I, I think um, it's quite interesting because if you think about like what took Argentina to the World Cup, to winning the World Cup, you would probably say a mixture of a really good midfield, some really excellent goalkeeping at important moments, mm-hmm. and Lionel Messi, Cristiano mm-hmm. Romero. Um, definitely a winning, a World Cup winning defender now, and and uh, you know very much part of that squad, and he started a lot of games. Um, do you, given that sequence of performances that he gave out in Qatar, do you develop? Do you deserve to have the ego that you now play with? I would say no. Um, 
and so it's quite that that's kind of um that's one of those toxic things within the first eleven I think is that players who who think they're a little bit better than they really are and who who carry themselves um there's an entitlement there isn't there yeah entitlement exactly the right word yeah exactly the right word and it's very frustrating because you think well you could achieve things because you could be a really really good player like if for instance spurs appoint someone good and go on a two-year sort of growth cycle you could absolutely imagine romero developing into a top right center half Mm. rather than this kind of like i don't even know how you describe him um he's like yeah I'm, i'm not sure he bewilders me um, but as it is, there are, there are too many players that sort of, it's very comfortable, good contract, good, uh, you know, good spot in London, you know, good level of prominence in the game in the Premier League, fashionable club, all that kind of stuff, right? But mm. you haven't actually done anything. Um, yeah, which is partly what Conte was saying, right? I mean, it, yeah. the, I mean, like part of the message that I thought did ring true that I'm sure was, I mean, uh, uh, like Spurs fans were agreeing with was when he you know, said that, that we, when he was alluding to the issues above him, effectively, and that like you, you've changed this, you've changed that, you've changed, but, but what haven't you changed? Uh, mm-hmm. And it's the broader approach; it's it's his direction. Uh, and you know, the, the, how long are you going to keep going with the same you know, the same method uh, with, with it not working and not question that? Uh, which, which was that probably the one the one aspect of his message that I thought, okay, well, that's yeah, that's fair enough, and that is something which the club has, has avoided. Pretty much. Yeah, I can't, I can't Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it's conclusive, yeah. I yeah. mean, the club isn't built to win, Harry. It's just not. Yeah. Like, it, it's it's built to yeah. it's built to exist. It is built to qualify for Champions League, the occasional Europa League, and that's enough. If you go back into the summer, I think the moment which, which kind of uh, summarised everything quite well, quite succinctly, and just should have told everybody that not a lot has really changed is they needed a new left-sided centre-half because they needed, well, they just did. They didn't have three. They have Ben Davis playing as a left centre-back and playing well, but he's not. He's a 7 out of 10 player with a lot of heart rather than a 9 out of 10 player. So they were going out and they, they were supposedly interested in um, Bastini from Inter Milan and Guardiola pre-World Cup before his, sky, his, his <laughs> price tag skyrocketed well out of control. And they couldn't get any of these players. So what they did instead was they loaned Clement Longlight because cheaper option, kind of plays in the right position, fills the gap. And you just, nothing against Clement Longley. I think he's quite a good player. And, you know, um, with a bit, bit more confidence and had he made a few better moves in his career, I think he'd have had a better one. But it's just, that's very Tottenham, isn't it? It's kind of, that'll do. Because in that situation, if you're really determined to get the team that you want on the pitch, I don't think you do that. I think you you say you do what Chelsea do or what Manchester United do or what Liverpool did in the past, maybe not quite as much recently. Of like, no, we'll get the right player. So I, I always the, the moment in your history, which I think is really really um, vital recently, is the Virgil Van Dijk signing when you couldn't get him, but you thought, no, we're not going to go and sign. Um, I don't know um, whoever. Uh, Inigo trans- Martinez, I think, was was constantly being linked around that. <laughs> but really good example though, because what that's what Tottenham would have done. Can't get him. They said no. Haven't got the money for it. Let's go and buy someone that's not quite as good, but does the job, right? And mm-hmm. and that is, I I I firmly believe that that affects players as well as as well as fans because they look at it and think, all right, we're not really serious. We're just you know and I. There's so much of this at Spurs. It's nothing. I've, I've created a kind of terrible bogeyman out of Clement Longley, um, which he doesn't deserve at all because he, he he hasn't been bad. But I think if you if you multiply those decisions by one another over the years, over the years, over the years, I think what you create is this idea of good enough. It's okay. They'll yeah. always be an excuse, and that is what Tottenham are. Hundred percent, what Tottenham are. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I, I I suppose that is what Conte was. I mean, I mean that that was definitely what part of that rant was about in terms of the criticizing the culture that had been built yeah. there. But it's just I just yeah I, I think there's the obvious um, elephant in the room of the fact that well you you are you are also largely responsible at cultivating a culture as a football manager, um, and if you've not if you if you're if you're saying that it's one of the best coaches in the world, you just cannot do it with the with the talent that's there as you as you'd outlined. And you mentioned Romero, and yeah, I'm thinking to myself here that. Hello, I'm here to annoy you. 
I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa, he does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL Roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. The right manager comes in, you know, takes him to the side and says, you know, look, you're this old. You've won the World Cup, but you've won nothing else, basically. You, know, you, yeah. you, you could lead this team into you know, a better future. It could be you at the pinnacle of this. Like, do you care enough? And actually get, you know, actually light a fire under somebody like that. Challenge but, them. Yeah, challenge, challenge them. them. So yeah. like, uh, you could be great at the game. You could, you have everything. Like, are you, are you, are you happy to be a footnote in a tournament that is about Lionel Messi? Exactly. So 100% yeah. about Messi or maybe Martinez because of his penalty saves and other moments. Mm. Or do you want your own identity as a player? Do you want this to be, Hey, this is the start of things for someone like that. And mm. I don't see it in him. Maybe mm. I'll, I hope, hopefully I'm proven wrong, but, um, indicative of so much. I think, um, I'd also group players like we've talked about in Dombele before, you and I. Yeah. Uh, let's not go back to that. But Lathelso is another one. All the ability in the world. Eh, didn't, wasn't really, you know, it was, it was fine. Um, but the moment he was given the opportunity to kind of, default out on loan or you know it's just it's very spurs it's very spurs and it's it's very dispiriting what what was the point in the season uh on the pitch where you thought i mean i I think for liverpool fans i mean there's 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 been a lot of discussion this season about that's the that's the nadir or like Mm -hmm. that's that's the low point and again i'm not trying to make um, direct comparisons because it's 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 not exactly the same but there there were many performances where you go okay well i thought that was the worst and, and and then it wasn't but I'm not even asking for the worst performance this season because of it. You, you already mentioned that you think that's it's, it's, it's most likely the Newcastle game. Yeah, yeah. But in terms of where you thought the turning point was in the season, you, you've spoken about where you think the turning point was in terms of Conte's decision. You've not enjoyed the football all season, so perhaps no, there hasn't been no. a turning point. It's just been one long stretch. But like, was there a section of the season where you thought, yeah, this is just not, it's just not going anywhere? No, I, I think what it was is that through the first few games, I think they won games without playing particularly well. They they had sort of good moments or they capitalized off mistakes, whatever. Um, I think what happened was I kept expecting, oh, a little bit of continuity. You know, it's early season, early season. They've been overtrained maybe or, you know, that kind of stuff. And I think my hope just ran out at some point. I think maybe um, the point of no return might have been the game against Forest in the League Cup. Where you just thought, oh, okay, we're that bad, you know, and, and, and there are other moments like, um, Arsenal absolutely played us off our own pitch in the derby. Um, they were so much better, just so much better in every single way. Um, and, you know, Arsenal have been excellent this season, but even so you'd, you expect a little bit more rough and tumble at the very least. Um, but other than that, um, and Newcastle, no, it's just been a sort of, um, been a slow descending <laughs> despondency <laughs> yeah really rather than a kind of moment of, of clarity uh, actually maybe 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 adding villa at home when they got beaten by villa at home you just thought ah, oh, it's just i think a lot of people have said before that game conte should have gone already and then that happened they're well beaten deserves to lose completely deserves to lose and then nothing happened to him afterwards i thought then it was clear that it wasn't going to go well, <laughs> the rest of the season. And was that was that was that Steven Gerrard's Villa at that point as well? No, 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 no. Okay. It wasn't get that low. No, no. Um, <laughs> no um, saving grace. Like yeah. it was, it was at least Unai Emery's Villa, um, who, uh, as we've seen, have become very good. But mm. at that point, would not at that point of their uh, growth cycle. They were still a, a, a work in progress. Um, but no, that was very, very dispiriting. Uh, of course, yeah. 
Yeah, no, I, th- I, th- I think naturally, I mean, yeah, any, any campaign that ends with, um, well, not ends, but features two, two statements, one from the players seemingly mm. and one from, um, seemingly Daniel Levy. Um, but like just who, Daniel who, on the statement. Was it, actually, was it just Daniel? Daniel. Was it just Daniel's Daniel. personal it's touch. Like, stop trying to be my mate. Shut up. Yeah, the just, personal just, touch. Like, I remember that was kind of my, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't think I, this is my, uh, own opinion. Um, and it reflects nothing other than that, but I think he should have resigned Daniel Levy. Um, I, I still believe that nothing that's happened in the last few days has changed my mind. So um, you think like yeah. in, in, in what, in, in, in what, in response to obviously sort of the four, maybe four years of bad decisions or however many you want to go back there, but what, in, yeah. what, what in response to the way in which this season has unraveled, do you think that it was his resignation that was, was the one that was warranted? No, I don't, I don't think it's in, in relation to this season. I just think if you look back at sort of how this period of the club's history has been handled yeah. in all sorts of ways, and you can factor in Super League into that. I actually wanted oh, him to resign after Super League. Um, I thought that would have been appropriate. Um, that's just my opinion, again. Um, but um, I feel like Daniel Levy, Daniel Levy's longest serving chairman in the Premier League, and that's both a, a good and a bad thing. Good in the sense that um, financially, he's transformed Tottenham into something no one could have imagined 20 years ago. At the same time, I believe that he's been there for so long that the game has kind of outstripped his abilities um, in a sporting sense. And I think the result and consequence of that is some quite erratic decisions, um, some decisions which are hard to justify. I don't just mean managerial ones. I think there's been some naivety. I think that the club, the level of morale at the club is as low as I can remember it. Um, yeah. Which is, and also I think I, I think maybe it comes down to something as simple as this. I think beyond a certain point, it becomes the right thing to do because you've taken a club to a certain point and if you know when to step off, that's kind of a good thing for your legacy. If you don't, and if you stay on and you um, continue to kind of muddle through, I, 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 I think you can get in the way of your own achievements. And I think that's sad because I think there's a lot of good that Daniel Levy's done. At the same time, I, you need a different face and a different voice and a different personality at the top of the club now, I think, just because I, it's, it hasn't worked. And actually, since 2019, it's not a steady stream of bad decisions. It's getting worse all the time and people are getting more unhappy about it and more angry. And, um, I think also, for instance, one of the big criticisms of Daniel Levy has always been his failure to communicate with the club, with the, with the supporters, sorry. Um, and definitely his failure to communicate with the right tone. And a few days before the Newcastle result, he went to the Cambridge Union to do a sit-down talk for an hour. Now, on the one hand, lovely ego stroke, right? Who, who amongst us wouldn't do that? You know, it's a lovely thing to be invited there, and of course you'd accept. Nevertheless, um, if you're not in the habit of talking about your club to your club's supporters, but you're willing to say things which don't bear much scrutiny to a video-recorded session with one of the most famous universities in the world, it's not going to go well, right? Um, mm. and it didn't, it didn't, you had sort of, you know, people asking about why are we paying the highest ticket prices in the Premier League and, you know, battered away that kind of, that fallacy that clubs still persist in, 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 in peddling about, well, uh, you know, if you, uh, if you want the best players, you've got to pay through the nose. And we, we just know this is untrue because, you know, Swiss Ramble exists now as a concept and a lot of people understand how finances work and a lot of people also understand the ratios of revenue between what a club takes at the gate or what used to be the gate versus what it takes everywhere else. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, yeah. Oh, so yeah, that's, yeah, that's, sure. it's just, it's just, it's just not true. And we know this and we've known it for a long time. And, and so I think it's a point to me. Um, I feel my fandom fracturing as a result of it. You know, your fandom never leaves you, but I think you can tune out and you think, ah, you know, um, it's still going to piss me off when we lose games. I'm still going to be invested in a certain way. But if you lose that sort of 10%, that's a pretty slippery slope. 
Um, and mm. that's how it feels at the moment under Daniel Levy. And uh, I don't, I don't know the way to rescue that. If he comes up with something fantastic, which which um, flips everything 180 degrees, and in six months' time we're doing this, and we're, you know, then I am a massive apology. But uh, at the moment, um, yeah, I don't see a way back. I just don't see another, I don't see another move. I don't see another shiny head coach, or you know, um, it's it feels feels very end of cycle, Harry. Yeah, no, it feels um, quite similar to conversations that I've had in the past with uh, with Chris Wall um, around Newcastle. To be honest, yeah. it was a few seasons ago where we spoke about what's the point. Like, I, th- yeah. I, th- I think I think, yeah. I think I think that was the sentiment basically of yes, we make this much money. Yes, we do this. Yes, we do that. We're retaining our position in the Premier League, etc. Uh, but what's the point if we're not, not going to work? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and I think that there were definitely fans among them who. Uh, felt that sense of disillusionment, and it, 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 it does feel it does feel like it's that way for for Tottenham, and it feels like there, there are symbols of it as well, as you mentioned, there are like certain players and certain like um, events in the in recent history, and even even Kane, sort of oddly in a weird way, in the, in the fact that he has kept on going and he's 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 helped uh, the club pick up results this season. When you say that even when they're not playing well. Just by the the the, yeah. the 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 fact that he's an excellent striker, yeah. uh, and he does he, he does that, and he's, he's he still seems to have an element of pride in his game that he's not gonna he's not gonna let those standards drop too much. It seemed anyway from the outside in, uh, but but he does he does appear a symbol of that as well because he wanted away, yeah, and and there, and there were reasons for that that I think must have also been down to a little bit of this, you know, the, this malaise that was over the club. Well, also I think I think the important thing here to stress is that it's not really a conversation about money like i i'd be happy if the if the club actually reduced its spending i think what matters to me is an idea yeah, like yeah, a, yeah. a strategy and i i think that probably matters for someone like kane too it's like if you can see what you're trying to do even you know i mean pochettino was never backed by heavy spending mm-hmm. um and i don't care if the club never wins anything again i don't care if the club finishes 10th every season that's absolutely fine with me you know get knocked out of the third round in the FA Cup, whatever i just need to look at it and see a journey on the pitch i need to see an idea about this is how we're going to get from a to b and this is what we're trying to do we may fail but we're going to try and do it so yeah you need that central like it's you know if you if you if you're a religious person you need to tenant to your faith right rather than just kind of well i'm going to go and i'm going to you know i'm going to dedicate a day of the week or a period of the day to something but i'm not really sure why i'm doing it yeah, um, no. Let's have an idea. I think, I think, I think the parallel again with uh, with with Klopp is 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 there in my mind. Is I mean, so much has been made of those those comments in the first press conference, right, from doubters to believers. But I think yeah. that he sort of grasped at the bigger issue there, and it, it wasn't necessarily about winning things. It was about believing that it was yeah. possible uh, and believing in sort of the what you were seeing on the pitch. And I, I remember that first game against Spurs actually. Where, uh, nil nil, a yeah. nil nil, ragged performance at, at parts, but from the, from the back t- 10 to 15 minutes in, you could sort of look at it and go, Oh, okay. <laughs> so they're trying to do this. That's, that's the plan, is it? Okay. We're working towards this. Uh, and it was very messy and it took, it took time to get there. But I, I think you're right. I think it's, 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 it's that sense of belief and the players need to, need, need to buy into it. The fans need to buy into it as well. I, I suppose then, I mean, like in, in terms of where you think the club goes from here, it seems like you, your your view on it is that the solution should be a a, a change uh, in the the person who's running the club, um, like in, in, in Daniel Levy. If, if I was to push you on, I mean, again, just just plugging a new manager in like, and, and, mm. and thinking that's going to change everything is obviously short sighted. But I mean, I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. This is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My LibertyShield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super-fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac, and Android TV. 
or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Is, is the last time you felt that the, 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 the mood was genuinely different there and there was that, there was that sense of belief under, under Pochettino and, it, and would it, would it be beyond anything to, to suggest trying to go back in for the likes of him or, or is that again trying, sort of clinging to the, the path a little bit? I don't know what you, what you think about. No, I would simplify. I think Pochettino, that, that, that horse is bolted. I think he's going to go to Chelsea. Oh, God. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I, I think the whole thing needs kind of, it needs a sort of ideological refit um, mm. in the sense that, so in the summer, Scott Munn is going to become the new CEO. He was previously, amongst other things, he was at the NRL and um, uh, the um, AFL in Australia, and he worked the NRL, for the football uh, group. The, oh, both sorry, of yeah. them. So he worked for the NRL, the National Rugby League, and also the Aussie Rules. Sorry, for a second, I thought you said the NRA for a second. No, no. It's a change uh, in direction. I had a very different conversation about that one, I suspect. (laughs) um, No, uh, and he worked for City Football Group, which is fine, I guess, but then um, the jury's out, really, because, right, well, the City Football Group is a monolith financially, doesn't exist in the same way that Tottenham does, doesn't operate in the same way, um... You know, have been proven wrong, but I don't, I don't believe that appointing a single guy from an organization which bears very little comparison is going to change everything immediately. That happens in the summer, but then beneath that, um, certainly whatever happens to Daniel Levy, um, he can no longer make footballing decisions. Just can't, just he's not equipped to do it. Um, that's been kind of proven, I think. But then your appointment, appointing a head coach is not just about finding your shiniest nagglesman. It's about finding someone who actually wants to coach the team. Jose Mourinho thought he was above coaching Tottenham. Uh, Antonio Conte thought the same. Um, and you got this sense that they were using the club to A, earn <laughs> a lot of money, but B, kind of rehabilitate their image a little bit. Like Mourinho clearly thought that he belonged at the level of the game above Spurs, your kind of Real Madrid um, sort of stratosphere. Conte, don't know. He was off the job in the summer before Nuno you know, Espirito Santo and, and rejected it. Then they came back and um, clearly made him an offer they couldn't refuse. He couldn't refuse even. So I think what really matters is not who it is. It's that the person who gets the job wants the job, right? which is he believes in what they're doing. Um, now, part of that is about the club selling a vision and making them, you know, make, making themselves believable, so to speak. But fans are sick of having someone who kind of is carries themselves as if they're doing the club a favour you know, by being there. Yeah, I've come to manage you. Well done, me. That that was very much the air that Conte gave. And also, you know, in that situation, everything that went wrong was somebody else's fault for Conte. Mourinho to to a certain extent too, you know. And when Things went wrong on the pitch. You got rants and you got players being told they're just not good enough. And, and it got boring really quickly. I think we spoke about this last time. Just got very, very dull. Just the negativity and the kind of the grind. And mm-hmm. I think now, even if you, I'm not suggesting that this is the right way forward, but Ryan Mason's taking charge of the game against Manchester United. And yeah, great. You know, because Ryan Mason, I, I don't know whether he's equipped to do it or not. I, I like the idea of Ryan Mason because I think he's quite a, interesting person and a likable person and he clearly wants to do the job and at this stage it's got so bad that that's a virtue in itself he wants the job like it's not you know Nagelsmann might want the job but only if certain conditions are met no no if you want the job because it is a good one under the right circumstances if you want the job want the job Mm. don't have your caveats and you're kind of well I need this this you know, I, I need this amount of money, really, and like, you know, it, it's. Could there be a Mister, a Mister Potter out there? Some, I, I don't know, but somebody, if it, it, it feels like Potter before he went through what he's just gone through over the yeah. last, last twelve months, would have been more in keeping with what you, what you'd want to find, right? Somebody who's got that enthusiasm still about 
ideas, the, the opportunity, ideas, yeah, ideas, man. And it, not it, like just, it's, just, just, yeah, sending the same yeah. team out again and again and again to do the same things. Like, it, it, you know, I just someone with some ideas. Yeah, it's it's, it's one thing when you when you mentioned Jose there because I was just thinking about sort of his his dissatisfaction or with, with Tottenham and sort of looking down on the role and then just thinking about where he's ultimately gone and. Mm. The, the fun he seems to be having in Roma as Roma boss, despite the fact that like a lot of the things that I think he's enjoying are things that I've, I've definitely seen that man belittle over the years. Uh, uh, like not just competitions, but <laughs> also just league. like the romance <laughs> of it. And like he's, he's I, I stumbled upon a, a club that could be perfect, but, um, it's, it's just funny seeing that considering sort of how he'd look down his nose at certain uh, similar things in, uh, in the Premier League. Hundred percent. I think he's doing really well in Roma. Um, I think he's having a fine I think time. He's had to, I think he's had to change his perspective on the football world, like you say. Yeah. Um, that's clearly happened, and but good. But you know, Jose Mourinho just should have done it years ago, and it would have made him a more interesting personality and probably more effective. Yeah. Um, I hoped he had them when, when we, were, we were speaking just after it got announced, and we were talking about the spa music and the video and the the rebrand of. Uh, yeah, you know, Jose is the sort of the the changed one when he arrived at, oh, uh, at yeah. Tottenham. It, it clearly hadn't happened just yet, but um, it's, it seems to be now. It, it feels almost weird then to ask you about the 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 Liverpool game, just, yeah. just as the um, the United game is about to kick off as well. But it, I get the impression that you're basically saying, well, some some exuberance, some enthusiasm that the manager can hopefully like um, give to the players and like trying to social to show some respect and pride before the end of the season is is the least yeah. that you're you're looking for. Yeah, I'm not bothered about results. I, they're not going to they're not going to finish the Champions League and they're probably not going to finish in the Europa League and that's fine with me. I don't care about European football. Uh, I enjoy it, but it's not I, I don't know, it's not it's not a thing I aspire to that much really. Um I just want to see some sort of commitment. Um they'll probably lose both games. I expect they'll lose to Manchester United this evening and then they will probably lose quite heavily at Anfield, but it, there's a way to lose, right? Um, you know, I don't mind. I think Spurs are terribly disjointed. No problem at all if Liverpool unpick them. That's generally what happens at Anfield under the best of circumstances. Show the supporters that there's something worth bothering with. Um, or at the very least, if it has to be a selfish individual thing, show that you're worth a future. Like, there's a lot, there's about six or seven players there who at the moment, um, if there were no more games left this season, uh, a lot of fans would just never want to see in the Tottenham shirt ever again, um, I'm afraid. And um, use this last period of the of the season to say, all right, well, I, you know, I, I value the position of the, in the game that I've risen to. You know, and this is some this is a club where I can achieve something. Or if you don't think that, off you go, really. Um, and so maybe this is what I want to see now is a kind of a clarification of some of those factors. Um, I think probably Anfield, I suppose, at least three, four nil, maybe four one. I don't know, but um, it's it's a different game now. I think we're talking in, in sort of um, in a more granular way about performance. Um, yeah. There's no objectives to chase, so you have to look at smaller things, and I, I think that's where Spurs are really. Yeah. Um, and one final question: If I was to yeah. sort of give you give you the reins uh, of of Tottenham Hotspur for the the next three months. Uh, what would you do? What would you prioritize? Vision, vision, strategy, mm-hmm. overarching strategy. I would be very transparent about what it was that I wanted to achieve. I wouldn't say, for instance, on an R, we want to win things. I might be a bit more honest. I might say, we want to do things and we want to do it in this way. We want to buy players who are this and we want to, you know, we want to achieve that or we want to play a certain type of football I, I, I would want a macro a micro aim and I'd want to feel like um, if this was me laying it out that people would have the opportunity to see the organization achieve some of those aims smaller they might be and trust me as a result and have a little bit of a you know so Tottenham what are they hmm. question mark and I'd be able to give an answer because at the moment <laughs> Tottenham are nothing they're, they're nothing they're a they're a um, a team who play in a stadium where there is also NFL and Beyonce, and that's really it. There's nothing mm-hmm. else, um, and that is, that is that's got to change yesterday. It's just you cannot you cannot have a void 
where your personality should be. And mm. um, at the moment, uh, I don't know why anyone bothers watching, frankly. It's just, it's dismal. I genuinely, as you were saying those few sentences, I was thinking, this is about the, um, this is about the Labour Party, isn't it? <laughs> That's basically what I was thinking about lack of vision, let me believe in something, come on. <laughs> it's dispiriting, like, twine with stormers. Yeah, like, yeah, refusing yeah. to, like, commit to anything. <laughs> Stammerism. Well, I think that's probably a good, a good place to, to end it. Uh, but as always, Seth, thank, thanks for coming on and for, um, helping us to sort of look through the weeds of, uh, the weeds as to sort of how Spurs have got to this stage, um, and what you think is necessary for them to, to move in the right direction. So thanks so much. Yeah, my pleasure. Well, it wasn't my pleasure, but it's always nice to talk to you. So sure. um, thank you for having me on. Thank you very much. Is there, is there anything you wanted to plug before before I do the wrap-ups? Or? No, I don't think so. I've got the heart okay. to plug anything. Although John did a great say, job a few weeks no, back on, on TV. I've a lot of um, Bundesliga writing in, um, uh, for The Athletic, and I'm enjoying myself. I'm exploring a new football culture yeah. uh, here in Germany. And, um, you should write a piece on, uh, Bellingham making the decision to, to move to Liverpool for, for, for I shall not engage in raw propaganda <laughs> on your behalf. No. Um, so if people are interested in German football, um, I'm doing a kind of, I'm uh, doing my very, very best to sort of, um, uh, back up the excellent stuff that Rafa Honigstein does. Mm. Um, so, um, if you are interested, then, uh, come find me. No, certainly a lot of interest um, in the Bundesliga uh, amongst the, the listeners. So we definitely encourage you to check it out. I'm going to check it out myself. And um, in terms of the the pods that are coming uh, from from me and the, the show rival Recon before the end of the season, it's 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 a weird one. It's, it's been a bit of a journey for those of you who've listened along in, in thinking that we achieved nothing at one point and um, could have a positive end in terms of sort of having something to believe in and actually the end of the season looking more like a transition to something else than a lot of this season has done. But uh, there will be another episode um, of the show ahead of the game against Fulham on May 3rd. But otherwise, do check out all the other great content. I think Jan Mulby's speaking a little bit about his current thoughts on Liverpool's situation, so do check that out with Trev as well. But yeah, we'll be back again with another pod uh, ahead of uh, the game against Fulham. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.